What's up, everybody? Live to tell the story. That is the tagline for Lone Survivor, the film we are covering today on Action Movie Anatomy. I'm Ben Bateman. I'm your host. We're going to break down one of the most awesome movies I've ever seen in my whole life. That's, that's right. That's a real thing. Uh, see where this going to go. See you in a second. <laughs> Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Action Movie Anatomy. Guys, that wow. intro, I think I had a stroke. Uh, <laughs> just just uh, so excited. Just so excited. I was trying to say like four different phrases at the same time, and it just came out as... <laughs> <laughs> I was pretty much... That That was my Albert Finney. That uh, was your Albert Finney for the episode? Welcome to the show, guys. Welcome to Action Movie Anatomy. We are on the Popcorn Talk Network, the online broadcast network dedicated to talking movies and all things movie-related. We talk about action movies on this show, and I am your host, Ben Bateman, joined today by the elegantly dressed Mr. Andrew Guy. It's so sad when there's only one <laughs> small cap clap. Uh, yeah, I'm actually, this is my niece's wedding outfit that I thought I'd bring back to life. She got married two weeks ago. Congratulations. She wore this in the wedding? She wore this, and I was like, I gotta take it back. I'm gonna wear it on my show. Wow. She is, she's, she's a, she's not. She's a big she's old very, broad. She's very tiny. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so congratulations to her, and congratulations to us for being able to do this movie. Yeah. This is, I, I, I'm gonna pretty much say it in my thesis statement, but I think this movie is severely underrated yeah severely underrated this is lone survivor guys if uh in case you were too distracted by me having that stroke in the intro um lone survivor is a favorite movie of mine this is like a i don't think it's like a top 10 favorite but this is like one of those movies kind of like edge of tomorrow where every time i watch it i'm like i just like this movie more i just like this movie so much i feel like you haven't watched it enough times yeah i feel like every time you watch it it climbs your list yeah i think if you watch it a lot like like as many times as you've seen yeah edge yeah. it might be in your top 10 man yeah, I really like this movie. I mean, Edge of Tomorrow is not in my top ten movies of all time, but it's definitely in its like top ten on the action movies list that we yeah. abandoned making a while back. Um, but we're gonna we're gonna bring it back. We're, we're gonna just bring it. To figure back. out how we need your help, guys. Yeah, yeah we do. We need because it's just got confusing to try to show all of our choices on the screen. Um, also, some of you listen, so that's even more annoying because yeah, then just, you can't even see the list. It's kind of it's kind of like that episode we did with Mortal Kombat where Donica didn't turn on the mic. <laughs> What's up, Donica? How you doing, buddy? What's up, Donica? <laughs> Ah, mic didn't work. I'm trying to make sure it work. <laughs> Greetings, gentlemen. Excited for you to talk about this movie. Yeah, yes, it's a good absolutely. one. Um, so, guys, a couple things to cover really quickly. The first of which is that we are on Twitter. The uh, the Action Movie Anatomy Twitter has a Twitter. Yeah. It's uh, at... AMA Podcast. Yeah. I'm literally losing hey, my man. mind today. Don't worry about um, it. At AMA Podcast. And uh, you guys have been interacting with us. Every once in a while, we get a tweet from someone that we don't know who says something like, this is my favorite show to stream every week. So excited! Can you guys do this movie? And I, I will tell you, I try to favorite and respond to every one of them. Mm-hmm. They are like some of the happiest tweets of my week. Oh, absolutely! I every, love those. It tweets. It literally makes my day every single time I read one of them. Yeah, they're awesome, unbelievable. And we're just trying to interact more and more and more with you guys as as the show moves on. We're on episode, I think this is sixty six ish, seven, maybe seven? Wow. something like that. That's crazy, man. Yeah, it's wild. It's, it's a lot of hours of uh, action movie and anime we've covered now. We're gonna have to start thinking about like what we're gonna do for our hundredth episode. Well, so uh, I we were gonna get to our own twitters in a second here, but uh, I do an action uh, magic card podcast called mm. um, Masters of Modern, and I'm four weeks away from the hundredth episode of that. Yeah. Congratulations, Four man. Four weeks away from 100 episodes. I remember when you guys first started that. Yeah. And it's 100 episodes. It's a long time. It's wild, right? Yeah. yeah. Funny you should mention that, gentlemen. Uh, another podcast on this network, Jedi Alliance, one of which I am the host for, nice. is celebrating episode 100 this coming Monday. Wow. What, at what time? Uh, 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. There you go, guys. Jedi Alliance, this coming Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific Standard you watch hundredth episode. Hundredth episode. Donica talking Star Wars. You guys, are you guys gonna like just talk so much about the Rogue One International trailer? <laughs> I was just gonna say. <laughs> no, yeah. uh, actually, we're we're doing a retrospective. We're bringing back uh, some of the older hosts from the show. Napsock, to, uh, is he coming in? Napsock's coming oh, in. Good. Uh, Joseph Scrimshaw, who who did the first post Napsock era show, and myself and John Roca, friend of the show. So, oh, I love Roca. Yeah, it's yeah. it's a it's gonna well, be a great guys, show. Um, I a lot of nerdy Star Wars talk. Make sure you head over. Awesome. There you go. Sweet. Um, so guys, I'm Ben Bateman. You can find me at Ben Bateman Media and Andrew. Uh, I'm Andrew Guy. You can find me at Andrew Guy, and I'm on Twitter and Instagram. Yeah. Boom. He's back. I'm back. Um, that's about it for the plugs, guys. We're gonna get into the episode. This yes, is Lone sir. Survivor, 2013's Peter Berg directed war masterpiece. Um, we are gonna start out by showing the trailer, and then we will discuss the film. Absolutely, sir. Great trailer. It's a very good trailer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It starts out with the, the, the kid you like so much. 
Who's giving us the thing? Who's doing the speech about the thing? I, I wanted that to be my Eddie favorite line. Shame. But it's like two minutes long. Can you yeah. say it? Can you say it? Mr. Patton, please. Come on. Been around the world twice. Talked to everyone once. Got an explosion immediately. Sky too high, no sea too rough. Learned a lot of lessons in Marcus, my life. Move. Never shoot a large caliber man with a small caliber bullet. Anything in life worth doing is worth overdoing. Moderation's for cowards. I'm a lover. I'm a fighter. I'm a UDT Navy SEAL diver. Listen up. Red Wing's a go. Bad guy. Senior Taliban commander. Shaw killed 20 Marines last week. 20. Going in with a four-man team. Axelson, myself, Dietz, Marcus. TV. That's a lot more than 10 guys. That's an army. Oh, man, this is awesome. Sweet, right? Just makes you want to watch the movie again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> This op is compromised. This is Spartan Zero One radio check. Danny, you radio working? The way I see it, we got two options. One, let them go, roll the dice. Second that they run down there, we got 200 on our backs. Two, we terminate the compromise. We cannot do that. I don't care. I care about you. I care about you. I care about you. Not telling kids. Not feeling it. This is not a vote. We're going to cut them loose, and we're going home. Roger that, sir. Wait, was that Banna? Yeah. What? Banna wasn't there oh, at that part. Oh, uh, no, it wasn't bad enough. Oh. This is going to get into a pretty good gunfight. There's a storm inside of us. A drive. Push yourself further than anyone could think possible. You can die for your country, I'm gonna live for mine. Yeah, straight line. See, God's looking out for us. We're good, right? We're solid. You are never out of the fight. Yeah, just. Just so stop the good. episode now and let's watch the movie. Yeah, right. Like, just so good. Yeah, yeah. If you, and, if you it, guys, and it lives up to it completely. It totally is. Yeah, it's a great trailer. That that Peter Gabriel version of Heroes that plays uh, in the credits is like quite possibly my favorite thing in the whole movie. Which like, part? The song that's playing in the trailer. It's the same song that plays in the credits. The very, yeah, yeah. It's, it's Peter Gabriel's version of Heroes by David Bowie, mm-hmm. and it's just so good. Yeah, it fits it's so like, well. Uh, it's like almost eerie, but yeah. not. Yeah. yeah, it's like really super melancholy. Yeah, it's like really sad. It's a very sad version of a song that's otherwise like. Anyway, um, awesome, so good. So, guys, we're gonna get to the next part of the show, which is uh, something that we do every show. It is called thesis statement. Uh, this is where you have sort of a bold idea, something really big, strong. Uh, a, a very complete thought about the film, and you share it and you defend it, and it kind of is your should be rooted in hyperbole. The greatest this, the only this, the first this, something like that should never be like this is my favorite war movie. Like. That's a little loose. I mean, that's a better one than some, but... Yeah, I mean, if you said this is the greatest war movie of all time, that's that, that would matter. Yeah. I mean, not, <laughs> it all matters. Yeah, that would be what matters. we're talking about. Yes. So uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just rely on you sure. to yeah. start this. That's all right, man. <laughs> uh, this is interesting because I was watching, and of course when we watch these movies, it's, it's always on my mind. What's my fist pump? What's my thesis? What's, you know... Um, so this one is... is is tough to say because I haven't seen every single one, but I do think that this is the most underrated war movie of all time. Yeah. And it's because Berg is, is like at his Bergiest. It's just so inspiring and, and, and you just want these guys to win, you know, and the performances by the whole cast, you know, the four main guys, of course, but then you got Banna support. And then I, I forget the younger blonde kid, kid's name that was just given the speech. Right. But the support around the whole movie, this movie is incredibly well acted yeah and had it not been with i mean i think that hirsch foster and and um kitsch are phenomenal i think Wahlberg's a very good actor as well but i think he's also uh very lucky in the sense that he gets placed in roles that are perfect for him yeah and he's kind of been doing that for his whole career yep which is not a knock on him but these other three guys uh hirsch especially yeah i think really stretched for this movie and it was so believable and brilliant and and i think the best part of it for me was these guys get wrecked. Like, they get fucked up in this yeah. movie, and they have a believable decline in um, 
in just what's the word? I'm in consciousness. Yeah, like you're watching the movie and like you see Hirsch every time he takes another bullet and every time he falls, you, by the end of it, he's just crazy. Yeah, he's just lost it. Right, and and you get it because he's barely hanging on to life. He's probably just hallucinating. Yeah, but the just that played off by him and Foster is fantastic. Yeah, so I think that this is. The most underrated war movie of all time due to the phenomenal acting and the directing being spot on. Um, my thesis statement is this is the greatest core group in a war movie ever. Oh, uh, that's a good one. That's yeah. tough. It's tough because I think that you can you can look at like a lot of the casts that have gone into the famous war movies. Mm-hmm. And there's some great casts. I mean, you yeah. can, Private Ryan's got a great cast. I think that's the only debatable one. Actually, there's Platoon and yeah, yeah. There's a lot of great yeah. ones. But my thing is that I don't think... When I think about certain characters in some of my favorite war movies, there's a couple of them where I'm just like, yeah, take it or leave it. Like, I'm, I'm like, you know, Vin Diesel, thin or, or Vin right, Diesel. I'm, right. like, I'm like, yeah, you're, I mean, you're fine. I was like, Barry Pepper, he's very memorable in, like, Private Ryan. But, like, yeah, like, you know, Tom Hanks is a phenomenal. Like, that, that movie's great. Like, Ben Red Line's got a lot of great actors in it, but they don't all, it's not a core group that makes that movie incredible. Same, I would say the same thing with Private Ryan. It really is just, it's really just Tom Hanks and then a whole bunch of other people that have memorable parts. Right. Whereas this uh, movie is just all about these four guys. The whole movie is like, it's this group. They introduce this group. It's funny because even even Banna and the other guys who all have relevant parts in the story, and it's well told. It just kind of feels like it's its own little piece. Yeah. It's just these four guys and their journey. They're on an the island, story. like literally. Like it just feels like they're just completely by themselves yeah. throughout the whole movie, and even in the, in that sense as well. The movie even declines a little bit once the other three guys are gone. It's just Wahlberg in the village, mm-hmm. which is like still good, but it's not as good. Not it's, at all. It's really the four guys before the mission, on the mission, up to the point that Foster gets killed, and then and then once it's like Wahlberg, then it's like it goes back to being like a good movie. But it's like those forty minutes are what make this movie incredible. I mean, and that's when <clears throat> that's it's because it's just so driven by the camaraderie and the brotherhood. And we talk about, excuse me, <clears throat> we talk about this so much on the show, and, and just in general with TV and movies, character relationship. Yeah. That is all you need uh, to make a story great. Yes. And, and the character relationships in this are so fantastic. Yeah, really strong. Um, so, guys, that is our thesis statement section of the show. If you have a thesis statement you want to chime in, let us know at AMA Podcast. Share what's on Twitter, or you can share in the comments on YouTube. But uh, Yes, I do have the live chat up, and please, please do share them, because I think this is a very interesting movie to hear a thesis statement for. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, moving on to the next part of our show, guys, we are going to get into something we like to call fist pump moment. Uh, fist pump moment is that moment where you're watching a movie, and something awesome happens, or something that really affects you happens, and you look around, and you're just kind of like, is anybody else seeing this? This is so good. It makes you want to call your buddy and be like, dude, you got to go see this movie. you got to turn it on. There's this one part. You like want to tell them the whole story because you're so excited about it um and uh and this movie has a lot of them for me yeah i mean this is just packed with them yeah this feels this really this is one of those movies that feels like there's just it's just full of fist bump moments yeah and again audience at ama podcast live chat i want to know yours because there's so many so many i get like i get like teary-eyed watching this movie there's like there's a lot of sections that really get to me there's oh sorry go ahead i mean there's a lot of really good like single lines that we'll discuss later i think in favorite line um, there's this thing that Berg has that he's so great at, which is like, and I was reading a bit about it. Um, his producer named, uh, Audrey, what am I looking for here? Uh, something Aubrey, Sarah Aubrey. Yeah. Sarah Aubrey. Uh, she has a quote where she's talking about how, uh, what Berg is so good at is taking you into a very intimate world and the diving into that world and, and then bringing you into it. Like he, mm. he's very good at like, uh, Friday Night Lights is the most famous, that, at this point, is the most famous thing Berg's done. Because yeah. it's just lived on with so many people and there's so many episodes. He directed the film, and then he also created and directed many of the episodes of the TV show. But that TV show so completely brings you into the world of Texas football. Texas high school football. He turns you into what you're watching. Yeah, you become such a fan. You just become so invested. You And you understand it um, in a way that I think he does the same thing with this movie. Mm-hmm. When I think about the other war movies that I like... It's it's a different kind of thing. Like I really kind of feel like I understood what these guys were going through, like their relationship, like what it's like to be a SEAL kind of Absolutely. And like and and I'm gonna preface this with audience, hear me out, please don't don't crucify me before I'm done speaking. Uh, I'm born and raised in America. Twenty yeah. years old, American through and through. I'm not like an incredibly patriotic person. Yeah. I, I you know, I didn't really ever want to join the Navy or the Army or the Marines or anything. Like there was a moment in my life when I thought about it, but yeah. it just wasn't really me. Right. There is something about this movie that makes you feel so American and so patriotic. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's just 
it brought something out of me that I haven't experienced in so long when watching this. Yeah, completely. You they, know? It's it, it's a it's a it's a positive and a negative, I think. Because the positive aspect is that it makes you feel something about being an American and a country you were born in, where you live, that just it does make you feel that pride. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, it, there's a part of it that's like very sort of black and white. It really paints the villain to be this kind of not cartoonish, but of just a very and, and not to say that and it villainizes a whole people instead yeah. of a person. Like that is that is one one thing to its detriment. Yeah, I think and I think it receives some criticism for that reason. But um, speaking of fist bump moments, I mean, I, he Berg does this great thing with the way he uses music. Mm-hmm. Um, I think his use of music is actually one of his strongest characteristics as a yeah and guys. And if you don't know who Explosions in the Sky is, you must you must go look them up. I saw them live and watching five guys play something simple on guitar, but like looping yeah. it over and over and it creating this brilliant crescendo. Yeah. It's just, you guys got to look it up. Please yeah. do. They do all the music for this movie. They do a lot of the music for Friday, for Friday night lights. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just, they're awesome. But, uh, jeez, what do you have? Do you have one you want to share? I was going to say, let me jump in first. I feel like you're going to struggle with this more than me. And I think, I think, uh, I have two, and one of them is the speech. Yeah. The Navy Diver speech when he's giving it right after his little dance, and it's just, they're brothers. Yeah. And you feel it. And I and I watched this movie with my sister because I was back home. Yeah. And I looked over, and I was like, that was sweet. Yeah. And she's like, that was that was really great. Yeah. And that, so that was it for me. That was my true, literal yeah. fist pump moment because I was like, yes, my sister's in. We're five yeah. minutes into this intense war movie yeah. that she's watching just for me, and she's so in. Yeah. Uh, but my next one is, it's when they're sitting there, and he's just like, we're about to get contact. Yeah. Because then from that point on, the movie yeah. just turns into a shit show. Yeah. It just goes straight off the cliff. But that moment of, of those guys walking up the mountainside and the goats and the silence and the stillness and like maybe they won't see him, maybe they will. And then he's like, we're about to get contact. That's when you're just like, oh, yeah. here we go. I know. We're about to get contact. And then he's just like, yeah, yeah, I'm ready to punch that time card. Like it's just it's like, like you know. Yeah. These guys are prepped for it. Yeah, it's there's there's so many moments like that. Um, I, I think probably my... Punch that time card. That's a good line. It's a good line. Yeah. I think my biggest fist pump moment of this movie is the credit sequence at the end when they're showing the real videos and pictures of the seals it's tough and they're playing that's that song from the trailer heroes by peter gabriel and it's just like oh man axelson is the one that gets me because it's him at his wedding dancing with his wife and it's a video oh yeah and it's just like they just did such an incredible job of like really you really feel like you know these characters by the end of the movie well you fall in love with them by the end of it which happens in so many films you fall in love with the person but they're not real. And in this film, you fall in love with people that are real. Yeah. They're real people that went through this struggle that was five days and not three. Yeah. Like they had to Hollywood, they, they Hollywooded this up by making it less intense. Yeah. You know what I mean? Instead of overtelling the story. So they cut two days out of this just, I don't know, the last of the Alamo circa 2000 or 2015 or 2014, you know, yeah. or I guess, what was it? 12? Yeah. 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 Anyway, so uh those are that's those are mine is that your stand is that the one I you're think gonna that's stick my with single fist pump moment okay. that sticks with me the very most i mean like i said there's a lot of them are attached to favorite lines and yes. i want to save that for later um but i definitely I, there is also the moment right murphy's ridge when when mike murphy decides that he's gonna go up and make like, the call go up on the, and yeah. you know that he's gonna die and he knows he's gonna die everyone and, does yeah. yeah and he starts climbing and he's taking the shots and he looks at he looks at latrell and he's like marcus He's like, never stop the fight. And you're just like, God! Yeah! Yeah. I love this movie so much. Dude, when he takes that shot in the leg while he's making the phone call. Yeah. Oh, I know. ah, Like, yeah. Anyway. It's epic. Guys, go watch the movie. (laughs) It's so good. (laughs) Um, All right, let's get a little bit into star profiles, guys. We talk uh, about Wahlberg and Taylor Kitsch, who I think are the respective respective stars of this movie. It's actually funny that Banna is the second biggest star in this movie. As far as like what he's done and and, and whatnot, um, but he has a less relevant role. I mean, definitely at the time he was he was the the biggest star, maybe even other than. I mean, yeah, I guess I guess he his, his declined a little bit. Wahlberg had passed him, but yeah, Banna was huge at this time. Yeah, I mean, Banna had Banna had like a big career, but I mean, this guy's like a well Wahlberg, now, yeah. I mean, he's Wahlberg is just for like forever. I feel like he's he's just one of those guys. He's bankable. He's only a leading man, and he's you yeah. know yeah. And I, I want to talk about everyone because I love Foster and Hearst so much. But so you look at Wahlberg and what he's been doing, and, and the dude is he is nonstop working and nonstop producing. I mean, it, he's a better producer than he is an actor. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, excuse me, a more successful producer than yeah. he is an actor. Um, so we got Broken City, Pain and Gain, and Two Guns. They're all 2013, and they're all not that great. 
honestly. Yeah, Broken City I didn't watch, but I remember it. That's the one with Russell Crowe, right? Uh, yeah, I believe so. And then Pain and Gain was kind of a letdown for me because I think Bay didn't know what direction he wanted to take it, whether he wanted to be more serious or more like yeah. gimmicky with it, and it got lost in translation. Yeah. And then Two Guns, I, I, I know the cover. So Denzel. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. The Denzel That's movie. what it is. That's and it's why. actually it's actually on the set of Two Guns that he found that that uh Berg decided he wanted to do this movie. Gotcha. Um or is it, sorry, so that Wahlberg decided he wanted to do this movie, not Right. Not it was on Berg. the set of Hancock that Berg had read yeah. the entire memoir in one sitting, which is funny because you and I were on the phone last night talking and we were and I was just like, I want to read this book now. I know. Like, I've been reading so many excerpts that yeah, uh, yeah so um yeah, Pain and Gain's the weird one here because I feel like Two Guns is just that's just Wahlberg and Denzel. Yep. It is what it is. Uh, Broken City was like an attempt. It's just like one of those kind of crimey type of movies. But Pain and Gain was like a really, really unique concept. It should have just been directed by someone else, and it yeah. would have been so good. That movie would have been really good. It's and it's actually it like has its moments, but it's like too Michael Bayish in a way that like it kind of it like ruins the movie. It ruins the movie in a way. It does. Like it had it even had the right cast. Like I, I think Wahlberg. And, like, The Rock was really good. Yeah. It all just was sort of lost, that movie. It's because, again, it's Bay, and he didn't take the subject matter seriously enough. This is a real story that's really intense and really gnarly. Yeah. I mean, you kill people, and then, like, people are eating parts of people. Like, that's a real thing. Yeah. You know? Like, you can't joke around about that. Yeah. The movie was just bizarre. Uh, Like, trying to be a black comedy, but just, like, was kind of, like, unsettling almost. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then Kitsch, I want you to talk about, man, because you have been a huge fan of Kitsch forever, and you kind of introduced him to me. He was always kind of just that guy to me. Yeah, Kitsch is a big, I'm a big fan of Taylor Kitsch. This is uh, right at the end of a run that Kitsch had. So, so Taylor Kitsch played Tim Riggins on Friday Night Lights. That's his That's his most famous, yeah. most loved Super sweet. role. Basically, there's two characters on that show who, there's Coach T, played by Kyle Chandler, who's like, one Who's of my, like the greatest coach slash dad slash mentor ever. ever. Yeah. He's on my like top 10 interviews all the time. If you're a man that's like a manly man, yeah. you will cry during Friday Night Lights. Yeah. The pilot's the greatest pilot ever filmed. Yes. Um, and Riggins is the second most popular character on that show. He's just awesome. He's just great. He's Texas. He's, he's all those things. So um, after that show, he sort of, he, he showed up in some things and then he had this one stretch where he did like four movies, I think, in a row. Three or four movies. Uh, this is this is the end of it. Savages in 2012. That's the Blake Lively mm-hmm. one with uh, that guy from uh, the Twilight movie. Which yeah, which Savages looked like it was going to be incredible, and it just sucked. Yeah, wasn't it like Travolta in that movie also? It, yeah, it looked like a serious version of uh, Penelope Cruz too. Of uh, what was that one with Billy Bob Thornton and Bruce Willis? Yeah, Bandits. Yeah, it looked like a serious version of that. Yeah, Savages tanked. Battleship, uh, also directed by Peter Berg, by the way. Rihanna. Yeah, Is that R- one? Rihanna. Yeah, yeah. tanked. Uh, yep, yeah, and Kitch was in that. John Carter, one of the all-time flops. One of the greatest uh, failures of all time. All time. Yeah. It's like this is all like the same summer. I think. I think they were all within a year of each other. I love that no one gave up on Taylor though, because it wasn't his fault. They kind of did. I mean, though, they kind of did, right? but he still gets. You know, he's still in, in good things. Yeah, I mean, know? not like that, though. He And I yeah, think he's swinging back his... around, mm-hmm. but I think what happened was that there was a lot of Taylor Kitsch hype, because everybody yep. loved Riggins, and they were like, let's put, let's put him in some movies. So he filmed these movies. They all came out. They all flopped. John Goddard especially, because he yes. was, like, the lead. But then Lone Survivor, 2013, it's kind of like, it, I think in some ways it was like, okay, he's in something that's good, and he's good in it. Um, he got the part in True Detective Season 2, which right. was he was good in, but, like, it was just kind of not a good season at all. He's fine in it. Yeah, he was. He was pretty good in it. Yeah, he was the. Yeah, he's yeah. fine in it. He he's just fine. Yeah, exactly. Um. Anyway, long long story short, Kitch is a young guy. He's probably around early thirties. I'm guessing. Um. We've both met him a few times. I was just gonna say that's the thing about him is that like he's young and he yeah. works hard and he's a great guy. Yeah, I've probably I've probably talked I've talked to him both about Lone Survivor and Friday Night Lights. Uh, as well as just a couple other things. He plays hockey with a friend of ours. He, he's just a good dude in general. Mm-hmm. Like, very, very nice, very personable, extremely gracious. Um, I The first time I met him, I was like, it was one of those, it was years ago, and it was one of those, like, I have to say something because you're Tim Riggins, and yeah. I love the show so much, which I never do, but because it's, like, Friday Night Lights. And at the point, he was sort of, like, C, he was, like, C-list. So, like, when you see a C-lister who you really like, you're a little more inclined to maybe say something. Absolutely, and they're more inclined to be polite to you. Yeah. Yeah. But then it was funny, like, like two years later... Lone Survivor came out, and I saw him again, but I was drunk this time, and I was like, I'm sorry, man, I just, I said something a couple years ago last time I saw him, but I, just, I love Lone Survivor, and he was like, no, I remember, and then I've seen him like five times since, right. and he's always been very nice. So, That's great. Um, big fan of Kitsch, I think that guy deserves a lot of success, and I, I would expect, 
I would expect that he will have a great career because I think he's involved with the right people. Mm-hmm. Hell or Hot Water, which just came out this last Friday, is uh, produced by Peter Berg. Yeah. Um, it's the new Jeff Bridges, Chris Pine, Ben Foster movie about bank robbery in Texas. And that's exact. I mean, Kitsch could have literally just played one of the roles. Of course. He could have just played the Chris Pine part. Right. So I think he, you know, Berg's a good director. Like, Kitsch is going to get the, he's going to get the parts. He'll get, he'll, he'll come back around. It's, he was kind of a victim of the Sam Worthington, Jason Clark effect. Yeah. You just oversaturate yourself and you never say no because why would you why ever say would no? You? Exactly. you never would. Yeah, John Carter is the real black mark. That's the, yeah, that's the real, that's real bummer. bummer of a movie. Uh, the Ben Foster, I think, is awesome. Really well cast in this and, and him and Emil Hirsch. I'm actually surprised that Berg had more of an issue with Hirsch than Foster. Yeah. Which I get because Foster's known for being, like, way intense. Super intense. And he can get pretty ripped. Uh, Hirsch had to put on a bunch of weight for this and do a bunch of training because... He's so skinny. He's so skinny and small, but he, he looked good. Yeah. He totally pulled it off. Yeah, Hirsch is a small dude. Foster, the stories I read about him and, and listening to some of the interviews about him on set, he's just, like, he's, like, so method. He'd be, like, you know, down there in the dirt, like... <laughs> like eating dirt or something like that. Like, like, what, you know, Ben, we have a Foster, catering truck. What are you doing? And he's just like, ah, I'm just kind of in my world. You know, like he's like that. Those like the stories I heard. Um, I actually uh, met him last Wednesday on, um, on the set. Or yeah, uh, uh, yeah, for the Heller High Water premiere. Mm-hmm. I, I talked to him a little bit about uh, some of the stuff in his career. Liberty Heights, which is a movie that Barry Levinson directed in the late '90s, that I'm a big fan of. Um, and uh, just about Lone Survivor a little bit, and asked him, you know, some questions about the movie, and he. He was like, and I'd like to talk about it in person, so maybe we'll get Foster in here for something at some point. I would love to bring Foster on here. I, I, I celebrate the guy's entire catalog. Yeah, he's on, in, him as Jake Mazursky and Alpha, Alpha Dog is one of my favorite. Yeah, he's great. Uh, Charlie Prince in 310, mm-hmm. he's great in that. Um, he's, just, he's just generally good in everything he's in, and he's been working forever. That guy is just very talented. Keeps his head down, just works. Yeah, and he's really good in this movie, Hell or High Water. I recommend it. He's that. Uh, he will win an Oscar in our in our lifetimes. I think so. Yeah, I would, absolutely. I would think in the next ten years he'll win an Oscar. He's just he's that guy. He's going to get that role, and he's intense, and like he just fits the bill. I think that most people in this cast could win an Oscar in our lifetimes. I think Hirsch could. I think Foster could. I think that Banna could if he could come back around at the end of his career. And I think uh, that Emil Hirsch. Did I say him? Yeah. Well, Who am I missing? Foster definitely. Hirsch, Foster, and Kitch. Banna and Kitch. I think. Kitch, Kitch would be maybe. hard pressed. They'd have to. He'd have to get the right role. He's he's not that. He's kind of a quiet actor. I mean, Bale's won an Oscar, and he's pretty quiet yeah. most of the time. But um, I'm telling you, man, like Into the Wild, Emil Hirsch, like that dude can do something. Yeah, and definitely. Then if Bannon gets another chance, we'll see. Wahlberg will never win an Oscar. No, he will not, unfortunately. <laughs> As a producer or a director? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I could see that. Actually, you know what? That's that's bullshit. Wal- Wahlberg could literally get shoehorned into the right role. I mean, dude, when he's 60 or yeah. something like that, he's been doing this for 40 years. Yeah. And he's getting better and better. Didn't he get know? a supporting actor nomination for Departed? He might have, but that was such bullshit. Yeah. He was barely in that movie. He's good, though. Uh, let's talk about Peter Berg. We've been talking about him a lot. I'm going to just start off with saying how cool that this guy took a huge pay cut to make a labor love movie. Like, that's... Yeah. He's got the Gavin... Uh, he's got the Gavin effect. Yeah, Even totally. in the, when, you make, when you're watching his movies, it just feels like a Gavin O'Connor movie. He totally... And I, we, we were saying this before. This is like... Lone Survivor feels like it's the closest thing to Warrior we've done yeah. on the show. They, they feel very similar in the way they make you feel when you're watching them. Yeah. I, like, I wonder if Berg and Gavin know each other. They ha- oh. I feel like they have to. They must. They must. <laughs> they just hang out and inspire yeah. each other. <laughs> yeah. I want to inspire you. All right, let's go. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, so uh, yeah, Berg wrote the screenplay for this, adapted from the 2007 memoir, Lone Survivor, uh, by Mark Luttrell, uh, the character that Wahlberg is portraying. Um, the book was also with Patrick Robinson. The book got a lot of hype. There was a bidding war in 2007 when it first came out for who was going to have the rights to adapt this thing. Uh, in the end, it sold the rights sold for two million dollars, and uh, and Berg ended up being the guy to do it. So he was working on Hancock at the time, mm-hmm. um, directing Hancock, written by uh, uh, Vince Gilligan. Yes, yeah, yes. written by Vince Gilligan. Yes, um, and uh, yeah, and and this is just this this movie. I can't imagine this movie being done by many other directors and feeling the way it felt. It could other than maybe Gavin. Yeah, like right. honestly, Gavin could have killed yeah. it in this movie. Um, but uh, yeah, Berg wrote it. Berg directed it. It's produced by like seventeen people mm-hmm. because there was a deal where a whole bunch of people threw in a million dollars or more to get a to bring the cost down because the studio was having trouble with the budget. Um, they got a twenty five percent tax rebate for shooting in Santa Fe, which is where they shot most of the movie. Uh, so I think the budget ended up being like somewhere in like the forty to fifty range. Forty million. Yeah, forty million, and and then yeah, you get you end up getting a producer credit and your SAG and all that just for uh, you know. Throwing down on a 
I think it's in in this case, yeah. you know, they, it was probably pretty easy to find that list of people. Yeah, I mean, Berg he convinced a lot of the cast and crew to take pay cuts uh, to do it mm-hmm. to do it for the minimum. He in himself actually took the Directors Guild of America minimum, which is seventeen thousand dollars a week to uh, film this movie, which is hilarious that that's the minimum. Right. It's, yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. I'll take yeah. it. <laughs> seventeen thousand. That is a real struggle. I mean, I know it's the minimum, week. but I guess I'll settle. <laughs> Uh yeah, and so did uh Wahlberg and and Hirsch. Yeah. Right? They all took or Kitsch, I believe. Yeah, it was Sarah Aubrey who is Peter Berg's direct producing partner that he's worked with for years who who convinced him to do this, who was like, You should just write this thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Akiva Goldsman, who's a very famous screenwriter, uh Batman Forever. Batman <laughs> Forever. No, he's written a ton of super famous things. He was originally tapped to write this, but he was like, I don't think I have the right voice for this. And right. so Pete ended up writing himself. Um, That's so cool when people do that. Yeah, um, I wanted to say that our, our uh, one of our fans here was uh, seconding what you said about Ben Foster in Three Ten to Yuma as Charlie Prince saying is the best cowboy since Val Kilmer is Doc Holliday. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> I'm your Huckleberry. I'm your Huckleberry. All right. Um, so uh, moving on. So Berg is like really a guy. I mean, the, 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 there's of the producers credited. Wahlberg is obviously one, and Wahlberg's mm-hmm. a major producer on this. Sarah Aubrey being Berg's partner, and then Berg. Berg just before we move on is a very interesting guy. Like. He he wrote and directed that movie Very Bad Things. Do you remember that movie? No. Very Bad Things from like the late nineties. It sounds familiar, or, but I don't remember early anything 2000s, about it. Early two thousands, maybe. That was his first major credit. <clears throat> um hmm. I, I don't even remember who's in it. It was like a Vegas movie, I think. They kill people or something. Donica. Yeah, Donica, <laughs> which you might help us very bad things. Um but uh there's that movie and then he ends up doing like like I said, Friday Night Lights he does he he does the movie. Um, but he's he produced Ballers, like mm. he produced Hell or High Water. He uh, created and produced The Leftovers, that show on HBO. Just a guy whose work overall is very loved. He did the, he did remember that movie The Kingdom? Oh yeah, with Jamie Foxx. Yeah, absolutely. he did that movie, directed that. Mm-hmm. Um, he's worked with like the same cinematographer a bunch of times. He just has a style that in Friday Night Lights, obviously the show, he has a style that's very loved. Um, this is a guy who I think. Oh yeah, he did Battleship. With, yeah, with I mean, I mean, you, there's always some bad ones in there, you one, know. One for me, one for you, kind of a yeah. thing with the studio. And then, guys, if you haven't looked at Mark Wahlberg's resume as a producer, go do it. Yeah. It's another one of those things where we can't do it justice. Like we could sit here and list off thirty things, and there'd still be like ten we're missing. Yeah, just go look at his producer credits. It's obscene. This guy has so much money. Yeah, it's outrageous. And I love that he he likes to invest in himself. I'm always a big fan of people that do that. Well, he's also the guy behind Entourage. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> Um, uh, so should we move on to critical? Yeah, let's do, do that. So box office and critical. Do you have it yet, Donica, or no? You can't find. It? All right. Well, we'll look it up later. Uh, box office and critical. We got this is redu- uh, released by Universal for forty million dollars. It had a soft opening, if you will, a limited release uh, Christmas Day, twenty thirteen, and then it opened wide in January of twenty fourteen, um, <laughs> which was good because when I first looked at its opening, I was like, "What happened?" Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it made $125 million domestic, uh, an additional $29 million worldwide for a total of $154 million. I want to talk about that really quick because I think it's an interesting number. It's, it's very rare that you see that low of a number for worldwide with such a star-studded cast. And I'm, yeah. I'm wondering if it is because of the subject matter and the time that it came out. If other people in the world were just over... Americans and, and our war movies or you know what I mean yeah definitely I mean I think um, the fact that it made so much money domestically makes a lot of sense exactly um, the subject matter is always it's always very popular if you do it right I mean there's a reason American Sniper made so much money yep um, there's just a large part of our country that's just very interested in war and and the military I mean there's a lot there's also like a lot of people in the military yeah and, who are vets who like are interested in this and I think that we all have have come to with with all of the subject matter out right now whether it's comic book or not especially with war movies is we want we want like a real re- depiction of what happened yeah you know like we, uh, we were talking about black hawk down before this all started uh today on the show because it was just kind of it was a huge movie that had come out and people were like oh this is gonna be amazing and then it just kind of came and went and i always wonder what people think about it because i don't think very highly of it yeah you know and i think it's because it's super hollywoodized black and hawk down not- yeah. At the time, it was like so stylized, and everybody was like, "This is so, so great." Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it's now crazy. it's like you look at what people want in war movies. You look at the Hurt Locker. You look at Zero Dark Thirty, and it's just bare. Yeah, you know, it's quiet a lot of the time. There's and it's no just, music in Zero Dark. No, it does. You don't because you don't need it. Yeah. It's war. You yeah. know. Um, so that's interesting. So it still made a total of 154 million dollars, which is great. It almost quadrupled its budget. Uh, its soft opening, it made $90,000, and then for its wide opening, it made $37 million. It was number one. So yeah. people wanted to see it, and 
people like it. It's got a 7.6 on IMDb, 75% by all critics on Rotten Tomatoes, 68% by top, and an 87 by audience. So, yeah. it, again, that's why I'm saying, I think that goes right back to my thesis in saying that this movie is so underrated. Right. It, it's got incredible reviews all the way across the board. It made great money. Obviously, you're not going to make a sequel for a movie like this, but but just the fact that it was kind of forgotten makes no sense to me. Well, Deepwater Horizon, which is, that's Berg's next movie coming out. It's with Wahlberg. Movie, with starring Wahlberg. Okay. Um, it's, I think, a movie about, like, it's another true story of, like, you know, heroism and all that type of thing. I mm-hmm. think it's, I want to say that it's something like a uh, an oil tanker, maybe, that gets, like, starts to capsize or something like that. Um, but it's, you know, the same, same kind of a deal, and, uh, and that... It looks and is being advertised in very much the same way. Like the cover of it is like from the director of Lone Survivor, okay, starring Wahlberg. I like so, that. You know, I think that's that's kind of what they're going for. Um, if it's action enough, we'll do it on this show. Absolutely, we will. Um, but look out for that Deepwater Horizon. The trailer for it looks pretty darn good. Um, so yeah, critical. Uh, you know, it's, it's like you said, it's our mo eighty seven for the audience. That's, mm-hmm. that's um, this is definitely one of my favorite, one of my all time favorite war movies. Uh, speaking of which, let's let's get into top five. Top let's five do, for the day. For the week. Top five. Okay, let's do uh, it. Top five war movies all time? This is, uh, I mean, how could we not? Yeah. I feel like that's the, okay. Uh, do we do a particular, no, we can't do an order. Top five with no. an order is always so hard. Um, okay, yeah. I'm going to I'm gonna jump in with a, my first one then. And, and guys, please, live chat, tweeted us, at AMA Podcast. I want to hear your top five favorite war movies because, I mean, there's, there's like that stand, there's that group that kind of stands alone, the classics. There's like yeah. eight of them. Um, but mine's a little different. So I think my first one is going to be, I'll go classic and I'll say, I'll say Schindler's List. It's a damn good movie. It is a damn good movie. Ray Fiennes is disgusting in it. Yep. And it's just brilliant. I mean, Liam's brilliant in it. It's heart wrenching and it's, it is a war movie through and through. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, do you think that uh, Ray Fiennes – I was having a conversation with somebody who was like, I don't know who Ray Fiennes is, uh-huh. um, which is insane. But if you th- – Do you think if you call him Ralph, they might know? Maybe. He's yeah. like, definitely one of the all-time confusing names. Yeah. Um, Ray <clears throat> Fiennes, though, he, his three most iconic roles, would you say Schindler's List, mm-hmm. The English Patient, and Voldemort? Yeah. Right? Definitely. Yeah. And now I think Grand Budapest Hotel maybe is like number four. Yeah. And I – and and. If you guys haven't seen In Bruges, he is he's fantastic. He's so in good at Bruges. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> he's great. <laughs> that movie's great. That it's movie would be funny to do on this show. I, I would be. I don't think we could get away with it. No, it's there's not really action, not an action movie, but it's hilarious. Yeah, it's a good one. Uh, All right, what you got, buddy? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go Lone Survivor. That's 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 the first yeah. the first on my list. How could you not? It's one of definitely one of my five favorite war movies of all time, and mm-hmm. we've talked it enough about it. So I think I can move back to you. Uh, yeah, and I'm gonna jump in with Braveheart because I think that if we can do Lone Survivor and we can do Gladiator <laughs> on the show, we can definitely do Braveheart. Uh, that was that was my war movie growing up. Like I watched that movie a lot. It was just every other day, Gladiator and Braveheart. That was the one. That those are the yeah. I mean. There's one more, and I'm going to get to it. Um, but this one, I watched way more than the other one for sure. What's your Braveheart story like? With, like, because I, I Braveheart I saw twice growing up. I think. Uh huh. I think maybe I've, I've ever seen that movie two <clears throat> times all the way through. Aside from that, it's just more like <laughs> my Braveheart story is that I had a English teacher who was uh, English. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's a health teacher who was English, and he, teacher who was he, English. Yeah. he was a health teacher who was English, and he would always talk shit about the end of Braveheart. Yeah, saying that like he's yelling freedom. He's like, you he wouldn't be yelling that. He'd be yelling, <laughs> you know. So he just he always because it's obviously, of course, he hates Braveheart, right? Um, and I was like, huh. He's he was like explaining the torture to me, and I was like, that sounds gnarly. <laughs> and so I wanted to go watch the movie, and I just fell in love with it, man. I, I truly think that William Wallace and the speeches he gives in that are just. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, the movie's great. Um, I don't know if we'll do it on the show. Maybe. We'll, we'll do it. We'll do it on the show. <laughs> um, I will go number two with Platoon. Uh, Best Picture, 1986. Mm-hmm. Um, Platoon was one of those movies I grew up. I was like, watching it when I was like probably 12 or 13 for the first time. It has the famous Willem Dafoe shot. Um, that movie's He's just so good in that movie. That movie's just great. That movie's just really, really, it's really still good. It's fantastic. Yeah, it totally holds up. It's. I, I just I like love Platoon to death. That's yeah, like really, truly, like was one of my favorite movies growing up. Um, I, I think it doesn't hold up quite as well, but it's still really good. Mm-hmm. It's still really good. It's For got sure. a sweet cast. Um, it's got John C. McGinley in it. You know, I'd love John. Yeah, C. I mean that was that was uh, that was my Platoon, and then Saving Private Ryan are the only two that I think kind of like are on the same 
page or on the same level as ensemble yeah. cast. What um, uh, what the fucking sniper? What's his name? The guy, the guy who he's in the movie Sniper. He's he's the he's the guy from Platoon. He's the bad guy. Oh, uh, the actor whose just name is oh just my gosh. me right now. Okay, that one, Donica, we know that is on the internet. He's got the scar on his face. Yeah, I don't know. I can't think of his name. It's going to drive me Tom crazy. Tom Broke. Sizemore? No. Um, no, he's not in there. Uh, go, go ahead. It'll uh, come to okay. Me. Um, the Patriot. <laughs> How could I not use the Patriot? <laughs> so you've got Braveheart and the Patriot. Mel, Mel succeeded. Mel Gibson Mel fan. Mel succeeded. Uh, I did want to almost say Enemy at the Gates. Okay. Because... Ed Harris is in it. He's so sweet, but it's just it's it's more of a movie about two snipers than it is about a war. Yeah, if that makes sense. Sure. Yeah. Um, all right, I'll go with uh, Saving Private Ryan as my next one. Nineteen ninety eight should have beat Shakespeare in Love for the Oscar, but it didn't. Um, looking back on those two movies, it's kind of remarkable. Like, how on earth did Shakespeare in Love win? It's unbelievable. Yeah. Saving Private Ryan, I think, is the greatest war movie of all time. It like is referenced that way frequently. Yeah. Like, it's still extremely effective. Uh, that is why. Uh, it, it's. I didn't watch it as much as Braveheart, is because it's so effective. Yeah, it's almost too effective. Yeah, it's like that scene when Adam Goldberg, right? Is that his name? The, yeah, and you with a knife. With a knife. Yeah, it's every time I just get ch- chilled to the bone. Yeah, every time. Um, which is that? Yeah. So Saving Private Ryan's my next one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Saving Private Ryan is your next one. I, I will yeah. go Zero Dark Thirty with my fourth. Okay. Um, Super quiet. There's nothing happening in Zero Dark Thirty. It is one of the realest movies I've seen in a long time. It's not even really a war movie. It's a post-war movie. Yeah. Like, Hurt Locker is a really war movie. Which is my next one. Okay, great. Which I I love the Hurt Locker. I was already so on board with Jeremy Renner in general, and I thought that he was underrated and underutilized. Yeah. And then that movie came out, and it was just like, boom, here he is. Welcome to the world, Jeremy Renner. Yeah, absolutely. He, uh... Yeah, it's, it's crazy, right? That before before Hurt Locker, he really had been he had a small part in the assassination of Jesse James. Yeah, the Coward and he was Ford. on like TV shows, things like that. Yeah, people kind of barely knew who Renner was. He was uh, he was originally in a movie directed by some folks I know mm-hmm. called Monkey Love, I think. Yep, um, like way back when, and um, they I saw the screening when the movie first came out. This must have been twelve years ago or something like that at like Seattle Central Community College Theater in Seattle. And they were friends of Jeremy's, and they would talk about him. And he was like a—I think he, he was a guy who, who was like flipping houses. He was like hmm. he'd like buy a house for cheap. Oh yeah, and, I think I saw that. He, he like he—he's a renovator yeah. and a musician and an actor. He would like live in the house and then flip it. And that's like what he'd been doing for a long time. And then he got a Hurt Locker, and like now he's Hawkeye. Wow. Right? Like it happened in his thirties, in his mid thirties, late thirties, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's insane. Uh, uh, well, that's my number one. Yeah, so, I mean, not number one, but my last one is Hurt Locker. My last one is The Thin Red Line. Um, uh, yep. Thin Red Line is, I think, kind of underappreciated nowadays. It is. I need to watch it again. I, I tried to watch it when it came out, and yeah. I was too young, and I kept falling asleep. It's a really slow movie. It's not the same as many of the war movies. It's, it's just like this. It's Terrence Malick, so it's just like mm-hmm. this beautiful series of photographs. It's just like so, so picturesque to watch. The cast is outrageously big. Yeah. Because the deal with Thin Red that was, Line that's was... That's Pitt and Redford, right? Um, or am I thinking of no? That's Pitt and no. Thin Red Line is like huge. oh, it's before. What am I thinking of? What's Pitt and Redford? You're thinking of um, Spy Game? I'm thinking maybe. Yeah, yeah. Thin Red Line is like there was this crazy story because um, Terrence Malick's first movie was called Badlands, and it's like 1971, I think. And mm-hmm. it's uh, at the time it was kind of like a precursor to Natural Born Killers. Like uh, love that movie. You know, like essentially like psychos going around the country killing people being glorified by the media. Mm-hmm. And that was a movie that in the 70s was like very groundbreaking. Um, everybody loved it. It's like Martin Sheen and Sissy Spacek, I think. And that's a movie that a lot of people grew up watching and knew about. So his next movie was called Days of Heaven, and that's in the 80s. And that's a Richard Gere movie, uh, again with, I think, Sissy Spacek. And that movie is kind of, the whole thing's shot at Magic Hour. And mm-hmm. it's a cool movie, but it's like kind of just okay but the point was malik's next movie after he made days of heaven wasn't until the thin red line he did like a movie in 71 a movie in 83 and then 15 years later he did a movie so this whole generation of actors that had grown up watching his movie his movies Mm -hmm. all wanted a part in thin red line every one of them which is why you see that movie has a crazy cast yeah that movie it's packed it's i had to look it up because i was like i know yeah it has like 19 people i Mm -hmm. think it's like clooney's in the movie nick nolte's in the movie travolta's in the movie jim caviezel sean penn like 
it's just everybody has like a small part. I think it's like John Cusack's in the movie. Woody Harrelson's in the movie. We should have done our opposite top five and done like Hearts War and We Were Soldiers yeah. <laughs> the and, and, and the Wind Talkers and all well, that. We can't do Wind Talkers until we get uh, Roko back in here. <laughs> or Jason. Yeah. Uh, uh, Thomas Berenger. Tom Berenger. Tom Berenger. Yeah. That's yeah, your, yeah. yeah, yeah. From okay. Platoon. Yeah, yeah. Um, thank you, Tonica. Yeah. Thank uh, you, that's all five. Oh, and I and I have like two honorable mentions that I want to mention, and that is uh, "Good Morning Vietnam" and "Inglorious Bastards." Ugh. You don't like Ingl- you got to watch it again, man. You really do because I felt the same way about it. I've become just such a Tarantino hater. I know, but you got to watch it again. <laughs> the the see, the tension building in that first scene yeah. and in the bar scene are two of the greatest in any film. Yeah, Ben, you can hate that director. Don't hate that movie. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> no, I mean I don't hate it. I just you got like, to watch it again because I I felt. The same way. Yeah. I, I say that to you so much when you don't yeah. like a movie. I like. I'm like, you just gotta watch it. Just, just, watch, it. It. just watch it again. Yeah, yeah, really um, All right, guys, that's our top five war movies. Let's move on to recast. Oh no, no, oh. we skip favorite line. We did. Hold on, let me throw these in here. We got uh, Jarhead, Kelly's Heroes, oh, yeah. Three Kings. I love. Three I like Kings. Three Kings. I like Three Kings. Another great Wahlberg film. Um, three Kings, Three Kings, Schindler's List. Schindler's List is a war movie. Yeah, I, I don't care what anyone says. I know it's a historic drama, but it's. About World War Two, it was like during just, the Second was, World War that yeah. the film takes place. Uh, Platoon, We Were Soldiers, The Patriot. I gotta watch We Were Soldiers again. I, I really don't remember. I it. don't remember it being good. Uh, and Glory. Okay, cool. That's everything. Glory's a good one. Yeah, Glory's a good one. Um, let's get in favorite line. This is an exciting part. There's a yes. lot of good lines in this movie. Um, favorite line, man. So my single favorite line in the whole movie. Single favorite line mm-hmm. is um, it's after Murphy has died. And it's with Ben Foster and Wahlberg, and they're sitting there, and it's just before they're, they're sitting there, and he's like, "We're good, right?" And he's like, "Yeah, we're solid." And you look over, and you see that uh, Axelson's got a chunk of his back of his head. Oh my gosh! And yeah, he, he's like, "Really fucking shoot me in really the head?" Fucking shoot me in the head? He's like, yeah, brother, they did. And he's like, and then he looks at him, he looks at Marcus, and he's like, "I if I die, I need you to tell Cindy how much I love her." And he's like, "You're not gonna die." And he and he looks at me, and he says, "I want you to tell her." I died with my brothers with a full fucking heart. Full with a full fucking heart. And then he starts to respond, and then some explosion goes off. And I think that's my favorite line in the whole movie. Um, I love Ben Foster so much. Yeah. I want to be able to do his voice because he has such a high voice. Yeah. And he's like, but it's like almost cruisy, but it's not. It's like yeah. a little deeper and yeah. more gravelly. But yeah, that's a great line. Um, I honestly think. I mean, mine came so early. I ha- I had one in the opening credits. Yeah. Uh, and that was when they said. Um, I reached my limit. That part now. Whatever you have to do, find an excuse to win. Like they're just saying like yeah. random quotes in there. I love that. But the the one is is during that kid speech or during the the, yeah. the thing, and it's anything worth doing is worth overdoing. Yeah, and I love that. I think it speaks in on every level in life. Right, and what's he, and moderation is for cowards. Moderation is for cowards. Never shoot a large caliber man with a small caliber bullet. There's like there's just lines. the whole thing is so sweet. If yeah. I I literally was like I'm gonna do this speech. I'm gonna just do it on the show, and it goes on for two minutes. I'm like yeah. Ben will murder me, yeah. and so will the audience. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's that's it for me. Yeah, that's that one's really good. Um, I also love. I told you Marcus never end the fight. Ben mm-hmm. Foster has the one line. I'm gonna I'm gonna you can die for your country. I'm gonna live for mine. Yep, that's a really good one. Um, it's just awesome. The, the, I mean. This movie is just so full of like good moments, good lines. Um, I love that. I also love. We haven't really, we haven't talked at all about the stuff in the village at the end uh, with Wahlberg getting saved. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's it's relevant stuff, and it's good. With the, with the I think story, it's but... so important that they put that in because yeah. I think that had you not put that in, people would just leave with such hate. There's such blind, unabashed hate for something that they don't completely understand. Yeah, um, and I do agree that the movie kind of starts to fall flat. But I think it is so necessary to have yeah. that in there. Whereas a lot of times in these movies, action movies, horror movies, and comedies, they fall flat and it's just for no purpose and it just sucks because they yeah. don't know how to end the movie. Whereas this, I think it falls flat a little bit because you've been on a, an adrenaline thrill ride yeah. for the last hour. Yeah, you know? totally. Um, but I, I do think it is incredibly necessary. It's yeah. also fully, that, that was all real. Um, yeah, it, it, except. The one thing that you were telling me that wasn't real is that the guy actually performed surgery on Wahlberg. He was even he even did more for yeah. him than they show in the yeah, film. Yeah, he gets the shrapnel out of his leg. Uh, this is what I read, at least. Um, that in fact Wahlberg had didn't pull the, the shrapnel out of his own leg. Um, but uh, yeah, there's a lot of there, there's as far as this movie and the real story is concerned, a lot of it is very accurate. The stuff like with them taking that fall down the hill, both hills. That's all like eyewitness accounts. That's in Latrell's book. And there's no CG during that. Uh, who was it? Was it a uh, Wahlberg's? Yeah, Wahlberg's stunt double had to go to the hospital after the first fall. Well, the, a bunch of them actually. Oh, really? 
punctured lung, cracked ribs. Like I don't know why I just read about the one, but yeah, dude. That I mean, those falls. They're really hard to watch. Yeah, they're crazy. I mean, there's a lot of stuff like uh, when when they fall and Wahlberg's gun lands like a few feet away from him. That's all. That's real. They mm-hmm. did. They fell and his gun is like six feet away. Just like lands at his feet. Um, there's like a lot of stuff that's totally accurate. And then as far as how the characters actually die, um, like I guess I guess Dietz, um, Emil Hirsch's character, they don't leave him up on the ridge. He actually dies in Marcus's arms in real life. Um, things like the way Foster dies because. Obviously, he couldn't. We couldn't know yeah. that. It's all recreated from like autopsies and things like that. Where the wounds happen. That's another moment, actually, that is one of my favorite moments because they're they're so vigilant the whole time about like being quiet, and not giving away their cover. Mm-hmm. But by the time Foster is, he's just got his handgun and uh, his eyes like closed, and he's yeah. and he's screaming. He's like Marcus, Marcus, yeah. and he's screaming his yeah. name, and you're like. You like he's screaming and you're like because he just knows it just it's yeah and he's like it's his last brother you know what I mean that part this whole fucking movie just kills me man yeah dude I love it it um, really that's yeah Foster ah Foster so yeah, good he's a badass um let's go in and let's just go straight up original let's go traditional recast for the four brothers okay so I, I what I did is I went eighties like eighties nineties like in that span between like 88 and 02 mm-hmm. and I just like pull the guy from each era so like I'm gonna mix and match a little okay. bit okay I went like straight mid 90s you gotta think about where they were in their careers and their age okay great. cool uh, Emil Hirsch I went DiCaprio and I went DiCaprio like just post Titanic Man in the Iron Mask DiCaprio yeah I like that yeah it's good it's a, it'd be a perfect role for him and I did the same type of thing with an A-lister I went Brad Pitt like pre-7 you okay. know, like he's just he's still hot and young. Thelma and Louise, Legends of the Fall. Right. And I think <clears throat> I mean he's Brad Pitt. He could pull it off. Yeah. And he wasn't like a movie star yet. Nope. So he could So it'd be good to see him because Hirsch has been a leading man in, in a few movies and he still would he still took that role. Um for Ben Foster, I went Heath Ledger and I went <sighs> and I went I love Heath, that. I went Ledger like um Ledger like in the early two thousands. Like ten things I hate about you. Yeah, like He'd right, like a young, right after, like yeah. like around the time that he did like Ned Kelly, was that him? Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Yeah, right, right like two thousand one kind of thing. I think Ledger's infallible. So, uh, Monsters Ball era Ledger, that's what it was. Yes, I went with Edward Norton for Ben Foster. Okay, because I love him in American History X when you see him get all psycho. Yeah, and that's what I love so much about Ben Foster is his intensity. Yeah, and I would love to see Norton just fight till the end like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I went a little against uh, a little against type. With uh, with Kitch, but I, it's a guy who's good at being quiet. But I think he's not quite as manly. And I went with Mickey Rourke. So your Foster was Ledger uh, was Ledger, and you're going to go Rourke for Kitch. For Kitch. Yeah, Rourke and, for, and he's and he's still pretty boy Rourke, right? Yeah, but like yeah. Po- just just post like okay. like like ninety one. So like at the point that he kind of stopped being able to work, like when nobody wanted to hire him anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's like kind of a little older now. He's got a little more girth. Um, not as like skinny as he was when he was really young. Right. Um, that's what I went with. I, I sort of liked it because he's really good at being quiet. He's very good at like acting quietly. Um, and Kitch is kind yeah. of the same way. I, I completely agree. That's interesting that you that you did that for that reason. Because um, mine, I put Willis in his Kitch. Oh, that's what year? That's like like mid nineties. Like, I, and the reason for that is you and I talked about this a little bit. Kitch is the commander of the mission. Yeah, he's in charge. Not Wahlberg. Yeah. But Wahlberg's star power and his presence on the screen and his moral stance yeah. makes you think he's in charge. Yeah, it's a weird thing with the movie. I think watching Willis pull off a dramatic role dying, I think it's really important that he's the one, one of the ones that dies. Yeah. Because you don't see that a lot with Willis. Yep. And also his age would have helped push that, that agenda of, I mean, he's the captain. Yeah. But this guy will not break his morals and that's why, like, you'll st- that way you'll truly know he's the captain, and this guy still doesn't care. You're thinking, like, Die Hard 3? Yeah, like, yeah, with Avengers. Like, what is that, like, 95? Yeah, because you, but my only issue with that is that is he has to be able to play the actual age of Mike Murphy. He has right, to be which able is to 29. Play, yeah, which yeah. is, like, maybe pushing it a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I can see that, yeah. for sure. Um, I will now go with Mel Gibson in a Mark Wahlberg role. And I'm going Mel, like, the Patriot or, like, Braveheart era. If you think about it, it's actually so crazy. You think he could play the age because he's thirty of, of Wahlberg. What is he like? Thirty-two, uh, Latrell, something like that. Yeah. yeah. Well, because my thought was this: like, all right, when he's in when he's in Braveheart, he looks like he's getting away with playing like about like thirty-two. Yeah. But when he plays younger. in the Patriot, he looks like he's getting away with playing about like forty-six 45. or five. Yeah. So it's just four years difference. I mean, that was the. Th- I mean, we with some makeup and you know whatever 
guys yeah. can play like 20 years when they get to that age, you know, as long as they take good care of themselves. Yeah, completely. Um, I went Kilmer oh, for, for my Wahlberg. Not it, Fat Kilmer. Though. Not Fat Kilmer, like the Saint Kilmer, you know, oh, good-looking, yeah. pretty boy. And you he, love the Saint so much. I love much. the Saint. I, like, every time I mention Kilmer, I always mention the Saint. Uh, he'd have the perfect All-American look for it, and he's kind of a, he can be kind of a cock. You know what I mean? Like, he's really good at that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we see it as, as him and in uh, Top Gun. Um, so I think the pretty boy look with, with the guy being like, I won't do it. I know. Yeah. This is not something I'm going to do. Um, I just seeing him kind of wanting to hate him a little bit for it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I could just, I just love that. I would love this movie. And I think it would be directed by like Ridley Scott. Well, didn't Ridley Scott direct Black Hawk Down though? Yeah, but this is a better <laughs> cast. <laughs> I yeah. really Scott's made some great movies. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I agree. To make this mo- to make this movie the way that it feels, you have to have a director that understands like things being understated. When did when did Miracle come out? Like two thousand two? Uh, later, like later, oh, like oh, oh six. Uh, damn it. five. I was like, I'm just make Gavin. Gavin, yeah, yeah, Gavin directed sweet. this. Yeah, uh, sweet. Who's your Wahlberg? I said Mel Gibson. Oh, Gibson, you're right. Yeah, I yeah. forgot that I went for or you went first. Um. Those are so, I would totally watch both those movies. Yeah, right. Yeah, I'd be all in. Yeah, I mean, it's you see this happen. Did you see Fury? I didn't watch it. Uh, I actually have watched it. How uh, was it? Uh, it was good. I, I need to watch it. I, I always watch it when I'm like kind of drunk. Yeah, because it's always on a cable like late at night because yeah. we have HBO and I always turn it on because it's sweet and I love Barenthal. And, yeah. Um, I need to watch it again. That's all I can say about it. it it's very engaging though. These because yeah, these war movies that have like the, the you know the I think, I think it's got a. Uh, Shia LaBeouf, who's kind of the exact guy yep. that would be in a movie just like this now. Shia yeah. LaBeouf could have played one of these roles. Absolutely. Shia LaBeouf, who would he have played? Hirsch? Uh, I think Shia LaBeouf would play either Hirsch or Foster. Yeah. He's pretty intense. He might have got, he might have been able to get away with Foster. Foster's a very specific brand of like yeah, intensity, like, though. You. Yeah. That's like you just sort of need him to be in that role. Yeah, I, I think that the best role for Shia would have been Hirsch. And I also think that you and I love Shia LaBeouf more than like 90% of the world. Totally. Yeah, I don't even know why we're so on board with him, but he could be so good. Yeah, and he will be good. He will be. He'll good. be good again. You guys wait. <laughs> he's young. He's young. Uh, he's just he's just kind of nuts. Like a, yeah, but, but I like he that is. about him. I like that. Uh, we're not going to do Cage versus Cruise because this is a serious movie about serious real things. And I mean, there's three action movie categories: <laughs> totally ridiculous, totally legitimate, and ridicu- ridiculously legitimate. I think it goes without saying this movie is totally legit. Absolutely. Without uh, even describing the categories. No, we don't even need to get into it. Um, let, I, can I do this real quick though? Because we do have a bunch of people commenting about. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> who they would have playing what? Edward Norton was... Okay, yes, he was very ripped. Uh, Brad Pitt for Wahlberg. Okay. Uh, Gibson for Eric Bana. Yep. Which I think is, is cool. And then Chris Pine, now for Emile Hirsch. Then, I almost think... I think Pine is... I don't think... I, I almost feel like he's too yeah, he's Chris Piney to be in this movie. He's not, like, grizzled enough. Or, you know what I mean? You should see Hell or High Water. Yeah, he's, he's Europe- sweetening it. Your opinion will change. Really? Yeah, he's really fucking good. That I movie. mean, I, I like Chris Pine, and I don't give him the credit that he deserves, and, yeah. I, and I forget. Like, I, Unstoppable is great, and, but he's so good as Kirk, Yeah, and then I, I completely retract what I just said. I'm sure he could pull it off. Pine could actually play Kitsch in this movie. I can see that more. That would be Definitely. the role that would, that would make the most sense, I think. Yeah, because he's sacrificing himself up on the ridge, and... Yeah, I'm almost sad that we're at the end of our episode. We only have one more thing left, but, like, I'm bummed... Right. To be done talking about this movie. So we have to move on to The Pitch. Yeah. Oh, yes. That's awesome. I love it. Donica, just working, just the, working the controls like a fucking champion. <laughs> like a fucking champion. Like a fucking champion. Um, so uh, let's, uh, let's talk about the movies that we're going to pitch. We have, we have two movies this week. It's kind of a bizarre pitch week. It's a really tough <laughs> kind of week for us. Yeah. So on the one hand... Do you, which do you want to pitch? Well, I, I do want to pre- preface this by, again, by saying that neither of us have seen these movies. Yeah. So I guess we don't really have to pitch either of them specifically. Uh, the mechanic we talked about last week. Yeah, and we still want to pitch it because number two is coming out, and I'm just like on this Ben Foster kick. Yep. Um, so you got you got the mechanic, which apparently is pretty entertaining. It's supposed to be good. He's like a hitman in training, I think, mm-hmm. and like it's like Jason Statham. There's a new one coming out, apparently. The first one was apparently like pretty solid. Like, yeah. And just like an entertaining action movie. On the other hand, we have the Blood Father. Blood Father. Which is, which is this new Mel Gibson. How do you get yourself in trouble? I can't even do his yeah. voice. I gotta practice it. He's like super grizzled. And oh. Yeah, I don't know anything about it. It has an 8.6 on, on IMDb, which is it's impressive. him and William H. Macy and Diego Luna and his daughter yeah. is like in bad with some, dr- like the drug cartel. Yeah, something. Uh, and they're after him and like Gibson goes straight 
yeah. psycho badass dad. Look at this. Donica's looking up Bloodfather right now. Um, yeah, he's, <laughs> I don't know what, even what to expect, but like Gibson, yeah, the picture. Look yeah. at that. Yeah. He just looks grizzled and like... <laughs> and like we... Um, this movie's not really playing in many theaters, so we'd have to drive like forty minutes to go see it. Yeah, but we're so in. Oh yeah, I, I, I like. Look at him. Look at him. Look at his arms. Yeah, he's bound, but he's fucking. Did you ever see? Um, did you ever see that one from a couple years ago? Uh, the Edge of Darkness. Like, no, I didn't. Yeah. Um, was it? Did you? I didn't ever see it. I, I, I was so sad when Mel Gibson turned into a psycho because you yeah. know how much I love you me love some Mel. Mel Gibson. I really do. I love. Lethal Weapon 4, yeah. one of my favorites. You and Burns, both. Yeah, and then, like... Except Burns wasn't as, as perturbed by him going psycho. He's like, yeah, it's all right, I understand. We've all been there. Yeah. Uh, it's like, much. well... Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, you're like, yeah, that's what he said. Uh, but yeah, like, Braveheart and, and Ransom and just... I just love Gibson. Payback. Payback, so... What Women Want. Yeah. Beautiful <laughs> film. Uh, so yeah, guys, those are the two films. The Mechanic and Bloodfather... We'll put up a poll, and you guys will tell us what we're going to watch. And, and 12 of you will vote, because yeah. nobody has any idea about either of those movies. No. Um, but uh, we will be doing one of them, so... Yes, we will. So you let us know, guys. Thanks hey, for tuning in. Guys, our AMA question. The, I don't oh, know if yeah. it's our fault or your fault, or it's all of our faults, but don't forget to submit questions to at AMA Podcast about the movie that we're doing of the week, so that we... I mean, that's another segment that we loved doing. We did it for a few weeks, and then it yeah. just kind of dropped off. Yeah. So hashtag AMA question. If you mm-hmm. have a question, we'll we'll debate that. We'll set that up for next week with the Bloodfather. That'll be a fun one. <laughs> Hopefully, that wins. I'm really hoping that yeah, wins. Yeah, me too. Um, and uh, we that's that, guys. So thanks, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only, and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.